Welcome to the Indisposable Podcast, produced by Upstream and supported this season by Patagonia. I'm your host, Brooking Gatewood. Thanks for joining for another episode celebrating solutions to plastic pollution. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Indisposable Podcast. I am here today with Samuel Ian Rosen, who is a self-proclaimed ecopreneur, activist, mindful nomad, serial entrepreneur, and investor. He is the founder of TAP, which is a sustainable hydration company on a mission to eliminate the single-use plastic bottle. And he's also the founder of MakeSpace, which is a category-defining on-demand storage company that went from zero to millions of dollars per month, hundreds of employees in the U.S., and Samuel was named a Forbes 30 under 30 representative for his work with MakeSpace. He also does uh, some angel investing himself, and I think it's safe to say that those interested in the challenge of plastic water bottles are going to be very pleased to hear that someone like Samuel is bringing his entrepreneurial savvy to this issue. So Samuel, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about TAP. Oh, Brooking, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be on, on the podcast. Yeah. So first, just tell us a little bit about the story of creating TAP. How did it come to be? What made you switch from your very successful company you were running to tackle this issue of plastic water bottles in the U.S.? Sure. Um, Well, first, I'll say whenever I solve problems, I solve problems for myself. And whether it be MakeSpace or TAP and, and, and both companies, I really set out to eliminate a problem that I had on my own. In MakeSpaces, uh, um, you know, as an example, in 2012, Hurricane Sandy hit, and I had to put stuff for a, a, an ex-girlfriend into a storage unit, and as a result, uh, was exposed to the the hassles and pains of storage for the first time. After running that business for about four and a half, five years, um, I turned the keys over to my business partner, who's the co-founder and current CEO. And he's running it. And I think as a founder, you know, my my real sweet spots at the early stage of getting something from zero to one rather than from going from one to 10 or 10 to 100. Mm-hmm. And certainly I was very proud to grow that company from zero dollars, you know, in revenue to tens of millions of run rate recurring per per year and uh, and hand that over to an experienced team that is excited to bring that. And, and for me, allows me to focus on other projects. So I took about a three-month sabbatical after leaving MakeSpace, and what happened was I was going through an airport not too long after, you know, essentially working on another company. And I didn't think I was going to start a company, but I went through the airport and I had my water bottle, and um, I wanted to fill up. And I recall not liking the taste of the water at the airport uh, from the fountain. And I said to myself, I wonder if I could review this water fountain in the same way that. Um, we've become so accustomed to reviewing a lift or a lime scooter or a bird ride um, or our food from Postmates. And I wanted to review the water fountain. So I opened Google Maps and I typed in water fountain. Um, naturally, that's the first place I'd go. And and I didn't find any water fountains on the map. And what I did was I started Googling a little bit further. I went to New York City and I looked up you know, where I knew water fountains were in Central Park and I typed in water fountain. And I didn't see any anywhere on the map. So I I had this interesting, uh-huh. you know, eureka moment, which was maybe people drink bottled water, not because of convenience, like they say, but actually inconvenience. Even if they have a bottle, they can't find clean drinking water. 
And that hypothesis was kind of further reinforced when I went to Burning Man for the first time last year um, in August when I had a bottle and what you have at Burning Man, everyone has to bring your own stuff. And water is one of the most valuable resources in the middle of the desert when you're there for a week. And there was no map of like where you could refill water in case you were thirsty. You always had to be constantly worrying about being dehydrated. And I, I just started to have this realization that though in the United States, we kind of take for granted that you know, clean water is ubiquitous. Um, that's not the case everywhere in the world. So it's kind of this, you know, mix between technology and sustainability of carrying one's own bottle. And it's a, it's a very unique intersection to be um, and trying to solve one of the biggest problems, the plastic pollution crisis from a software side, which no one's really ever done before. So that's where mm. I hope to really trailblaze. So the app right now focuses specifically on the this mapping water fountains piece, right? You haven't got to a Yelp level, have you? <laughs> no, that's it's a great great way to think about it, which is, um, you know, Yelp first has to index where businesses, coffee shops, bars, restaurants, where they are before they can have a community of people that say, you know, the food here is good or the Wi-Fi there is bad. And what we have to do first was index where water fountains, natural springs, um, water kiosks, what we call water ATMs, where in other countries like in Kenya, um, South Africa, uh, India, where people pay at an ATM, like getting cash, but they pay to get clean drinking water and they bring their own bottle. So we first started with mapping where these locations are. Now we're starting to move into, you know, thinking about how to allow anyone to add to our map, to allow for reviews, is the water quality good, and start to get at a water quality issue as well. Mm. Yeah, as someone who lives in Southern California, that's interesting to me because anybody who spent time in San Diego or even LA, certain parts of the year, the public water tastes awful and finding the filtered stations becomes really important. Absolutely. And, you know, what we're also seeing is a future that is bottleless. You know, there was just an article from the Wall Street Journal um, over the past week or so. What the article is talking about is a world where our beverages in the future will even be potentially bottleless. So not even just um, filtered water, but even flavored water. You know, I think the whole mm, I think the whole cat yeah. I think the whole beverage category one day is going to be not just paper or aluminum or glass bottles, but what about an option for those carrying a reusable bottle? Yeah, Pepsi just came out with that new product that they've branded under another name. I don't know if you remember it, um, but where they it's like a giant soda stream, basically, where you bring your own bottle and you can pick your flavors and refill your bottle with carbonated flavored beverage. Absolutely. Um, you know, for years, Coca-Cola has their freestyle machine, which the listeners probably are used to seeing in like the movie theaters where, you know, you go and there's that one machine that makes all kinds of beverages. Pepsi is releasing something. Um, there's a bunch of startups working in this space. SodaStream was purchased for about $3 billion by Pepsi. Um, so really, I, I think what Pepsi, Coke, uh, we'll see it from Nestle too. We're really going to start to see a bottleless future. And at the same time, um, the, the beverages in those machines are not going to be sugary drinks. They're going to be you know, new kind of style flavoring from hibiscus to, you know, lavender, all kinds of crazy, awesome, you know, non-sugary drink formats that the beverage companies have really had to change with the change of consumer preference. Yeah. 
When I'm not working on plastic pollution, I work on diabetes in America. So that's such a great intersection solution for both of those challenges is finding lower sugar, but still enjoyable and throwaway free beverages as a really exciting vision for positive change in, in our economy. Absolutely. So tell us a little more about um, how the actual technology works. And, you know, if a person is checking out this app, what should they know that might make them want to go check it out? Yeah, let's say the you know someone's traveling and they're in an area where they're not at home or they're not at the office where they know they can get clean drinking water. They can open the app and get connected to a, a whole source, a network of what we call refill stations. And there's now over 50,000 refill stations worldwide. This network includes, like I said, drinking fountains in New York City, um, whether they be a drinking fountain or a bottle refill station, you know, like what people are starting to see more and more at the airport, um, or a coffee shop or a, a small business that's willing to hand out a free cup of water and fill your bottle. A lot of places do this. You know, Starbucks um, is a great one, for example. Arby's or Jack in the Box will also allow you to fill up for free at their soda machine um, and get free water. But if you're traveling and, and don't want to spend money on you know, a plastic water bottle as the only resource, what people don't realize is that a lot of times coffee shops and these bars and restaurants, they need to have a standardized water quality that's trustworthy if you're making coffee, for example, so that the coffee tastes the same every time. So businesses invest thousands of dollars in filtration systems already in order to make their water quality good so they can deliver a good product to customers in store that to give out an extra cup of water was no big deal. So opening the app really connects you to a network of thousands of locations that will fill up your bottle for free. Or if you're traveling in a country where um, you know a water ATM is how people are getting um, access to clean water, lets you know where you can buy water because water naturally does have a price. It's the second most valuable commodity in the world to oil. So we really see this as like a thirst engine, you know, like a search engine, but for being thirsty. Uh, and that's what the technology allows you to do. And at the same time, on the, on the marketplace side, it allows businesses to sign up and put themselves out there, allowing customers to come in and indicating to customers that it's okay to come into their establishment um, getting a free cup of water. And what we believe is that this will drive foot traffic to new business. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's really the draw. Yeah. So one of my questions sort of related to that foot traffic and, you know, the the win-win situations here that can open up when we, we build these new innovations. You know, how can this be a model, the technology side of it in particular, for other aspects of a reuse economy that can help us get away from unnecessary disposable products in our yeah, in circulation. I certainly, if, you know, if if Coke and Pepsi are making machines that anyone can bring their own bottle, and that's the the key, then I think we're going to start to see, you know, bottle washing stations. I think we're going to see container deposit schemes where it's called a reverse vending machine. Imagine, you know, going to the airport, forgetting your bottle, buying a refillable aluminum bottle for two to three dollars. And then um, when you land at the other side of wherever you're going, you're turning that bottle in to be washed or to be recycled. I, I think what we're going to start to see is a change in the full kind of landscape of the beverage industry, because at the, at the end of the day, now that plastic is getting outright banned in some 
some places uh, and people are really waking up to this world, I think the innovations will not just be on the technology side, but also on the marketplace of, of items that are trying to help further create a reuse economy. Um, well, also, I think some of the biggest things we'll see are legislation changes. In the United States, there's only 10 um, states that have what's called the container deposit scheme. That's you know where it says on the top of your soda can, you know, 10 cents in, in Michigan or five cents in New Jersey. That legislation, by by not being there, means that the recycling rates are abysmal in, in states that don't have um, container deposit schemes. And now that China has started to reject in the past year our waste, we have to do a much better job about reusing and really creating a closed loop system around the stuff that we're using. I want to go out there and say that like, I don't think that you know, banning plastic 100% across the board is going to be a viable option because in many cases, you know, we plastic's a great material. It's lighter. It's transparent. Certainly in the medical industry, it's going to be needed. It's, you know, it's far safer in certain cases, but it's not needed for everything. And certainly from a one-time use standpoint, doesn't make sense. And it breaks down, you know, it breaks down. It's not infinitely recyclable, but there are certain times that recycled plastic can be used for certain items rather than, you know, new virgin plastic. So I think what's going to happen is we see a reuse economy start to develop as legislation also changes as well. So it's not just the, the technology side, but it's also the policy side that, that, that will come with, with this kind of development of these marketplaces. Yeah. And, you know, I, I did an episode recently where we were talking about the micro bead uh, banning process that happened in the U.S. And interesting story that came out of that was, you know, if you get the legislative win in enough states and they actually intentionally varied the the norms uh, around how how the ban works so that from an industry perspective, that's frustrating. And then all of a sudden, industry is really interested in having a clear national <laughs> standard or policy so that they can work with it. And companies like yours and, you know, some of the other folks we interview on this podcast are, are early entrants to build and show the case for this new market. And then I imagine that helps also with the incentives of um, some of the bigger business community players to see, okay, this is the direction we're going, so let's get on board. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the thing is, too, is it's not just the United States that we have to think about. When we think about closed-loop systems or we think about reuse economy, everyone is a citizen of this earth. So what does that mean for the developing world? Let's take India, because as... As the class uh, emerges of a, of, a, of a rising middle class, which is you know the healthy balance for any developed country is to have a, a strong middle class, what we're going to see is more and more people be able to afford clean water, which is a good thing. The problem mm -hmm. is it can't be affording clean water that's in a plastic bottle because then the plastic pollution crisis gets worse. So what I think is going to happen is package free water, like what we're seeing with these water ATMs, um, this opportunity is going to be explosive, especially in the developing world, where it's essentially a, a bottle refill network is kind of the main way that one gets water. And, mm -hmm. you know, to think about how in the United States, we have a system that we call tap, that literally flows into your home and you have clean shower or clean water to drink out of your faucet, it's a next level invention to, to, that most people in the United States have literally direct access to clean water in their homes. So, you know, what's really going to happen here, I think, for tax case is it's not just about the U.S. It's really the forefront of, of avoiding plastic is going to be particular in the developing world. 
Yeah, I mean, as as we've talked about in other episodes, the the plastic use crisis in Southeast Asia and areas like India, as you mentioned, is intense and visible. Yeah, I mean, we're already in fifty thousand locations, which is. Starbucks has about 37,000 locations. So, you know, that joke of like, you know, two Starbucks being on the corner, uh, you know, right next to each other, which which is true in, in some cities. Well, at 50,000 locations, it means that we're more ubiquitous than finding a Starbucks. And we haven't even indexed Starbucks yet as a place to get water. So what we, oh, wow. what we see happening is there being one day millions of access points. We're currently in 30 countries. Uh, I hope to be in every place on the planet, including Antarctica, of where one can refill their bottle if, they, if they're if they traveling. Wow. How do you scale at that level? I mean, with your, you've, you've scaled significantly in some of your businesses. And I know in the nonprofit sector, you know, people are often looking to, to scale big with some of the work that we're doing. And I'm just so curious to hear your your uh, tips and tricks for achieving that kind of scale so quickly. <laughs> well, I think, you know, one of the things is like, let's take an Uber driver or let's take an Airbnb home. You know, those teams had to spend years um, signing up drivers, signing up houses um, to create a marketplace. And the difference is that we are simply saying we're taking the established networks that already exist. So for example, um, if you're a runner in New York City um, and the water fountains in the park are shut off it, during the winter, where does one go to, to get water? Well, then all the businesses that have signed up along the park will benefit from those runners coming in during the cold months to maybe fill up a, and get a glass of water. The same could be for, let's say, a cyclist. So what we really use is what's called a marketplace, um, You know, where there's a, a group of people and there's a group of businesses, two sides of the marketplace. And we're really focused on that supply side of the marketplace and have the advantage of using existing establishments like businesses, reaching out to them, having them scale by adding hundreds of locations at once, or by mm. really what we've started to do is allow for what we call a water warrior ambassador um, to go into our app. And they've reached out to us. You know, We've got ambassadors reaching out all over the world saying, I want to bring this to my town. I want to bring this to my country. And I want to go out and help you build this network. And one of the tools that we're going to be building into our iPhone and Android application in the very near future is that if you're walking down the street and you see a water fountain and you want to add it to tap, you can open the tap app and help us build and crowdsource that network. And that then means that, you know, whether it's you being thirsty or somebody riding by on a bicycle who's looking for water, it, it really means the whole world can start adding to what's almost like a Wikipedia uh, or a ways of where water is. Mm. And and for the listeners who are interested in doing that, findtap.com, you can find the tap ambassador or refill station information on the site. Um, tell On that note, tell us a little bit about the pledge that's part of uh, what you guys offer on your website and the movement building piece. Yeah. So, you know, I think what's really important to remember is that you know, we, we believe in ma using the internet to, to affect mass behavior change. And the behavior change that I've asked people to be inspired by is called Drink Different. And Drink Different is a movement. It's the choice that one makes when they go out into the world to skip using single-use plastic bottles. And we've asked people to take a pledge for 30 days, uh, avoiding single-use plastic, and have created the TAP app as a result to help people find where to fill up. 
that 30-day pledge has been shared by over 600 influencers who have a following from, you know, as small as me or my mom, you know, a couple hundred people on Instagram to, <laughs> to someone with tens of millions of followers. We, we had one woman, and I think she has about 17 and a half million followers, and she challenged President Barack Obama to, to join in the effort to drink different. Now, he didn't take the challenge. That, that would have been next level. But, um, <laughs> but you know, really getting people to be more mindful and wake up to, to what's going on here. And, and the resulting kind of shares of those 600 people, it's been shared to a combined almost 100 million Instagram followers. Um, so really what we're, we're sitting on is a movement. Wow. 60, you said 60 influencers and you got to... Six, 600 influencers shared it to a combined 100 million Instagram followers. Wow. The power of influencers, right? <laughs> yeah. And the power of an authentic message, you know, because we, we would have had to have paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions yes. of dollars to get that type of word of mouth. And, and the reason why it grew was because there's an authentic message. There's a strong ask. And I also think because it's a self-reinforcing positive behavior, you know, this is mm. something that's good for the planet and good for the person doing it. So they were mm. open to sharing it with their communities. Yeah. And that actually ties right into something I wanted to ask you more about, which is, um, you know, there's a lot of behavior change strategy behind this. And you just spoke to one piece of that. And I wonder if there's more you want to speak to for our audience who's really interested in this cultural norms hacking work, as, as we sometimes call it. Yeah, I think really at the core is, you know, conscious, conspicuous consumption. People want to feel good about the purchases they have and, you know, no shame, show them off, mm. right? And w carrying one's own reusable bottle like a Hydro Flask or, you know, Yeti, Swell, um, Clean Canteen, you know, even a Liberty bottle. Liber Liberty Bottles is the is one of the few water bottle companies that is made in America, as most of the factories have gone over to China. Liberty Bottles is made in the USA. So carrying around one's Hydro Flask, carrying around one's Liberty Bottle means something. Mm -hmm. And it speaks to the, the conscious consumption, but also the conspicuousness, the in-your-face-you-can-see-it nature of what it means to be someone who carries a Hydro Flask or someone who carries a Liberty Bottle. So I think what, what at the core for the behavior change is in the same way smoking went through a period of where it was cool, then it wasn't cool, and now it's been back because of the vaping, um, which you know I, I don't smoke and I definitely don't agree with you know, creating flavors to entice children to smoke. I think that's terrible. Um, but I think the single-use plastic water bottle is going to have its – or it's having its moment as well where not only is it not going to be cool to carry a plastic bottle – but to say it more positively, it's going to be really cool to carry your own reusable water bottle. And that water bottle will say something about you. So, you know, TAP hopes to kind of hit in on that by, one, partnering with water bottle companies that want to, you know, get in front of our user base. But, two, creating our own line, potentially, with, uh, you know, hopefully a big player in the space. I can't talk about anything in specific, mm -hmm. but hopefully we'll have something in the next six to 12 months coming out 
of a refillable bottle that um, really speaks to a price point where people see it as recyclable and not disposable. And they get free refills by carrying that bottle and, and carrying their phone in their pocket and, and the tap app and really getting at that conspicuousness of showing off of how cool it is to carry one's own reusable, refillable bottle. Yeah. Amazing. You know, what you guys have done is really so impressive. And I'm, I'm just curious, how big is your team just to get a sense of what's possible with what, what size of team working on it? The team's small. Um, we are three people full-time, uh, two uh, contractors. Uh, we work with a designer and a developer to help kind of bring these ideas to life. But we're wow. a pretty small team. Yeah, that's, that's, that's itself so inspiring to me, at least. And I imagine to some, some of the audience that, you know, six people, not even, right, that are creating right. a global movement. And it's just astounding. You said 30 countries already and uh, all these great ways for people to engage and hopefully be a huge part in changing the norm, as you've said, about plastic water bottle use in our country. Um, the last thing I want to ask you, I think, is just, you know, with that experience and working in all these places, I imagine you get emails or talk to customers sometimes that just have some fun stories of the impact of what you guys are doing. Do you have any of those sorts of personal impact stories that you might want to share to close? Yeah, one of my favorite ones is going to be from um, a Girl Scout troop uh, in Vermont that my sister actually works with. Um, so the the young ladies were, you know, taking the Drink Different Pledge, and my sister was involved, who's our outreach coordinator at TAP, to share kind of the, the Drink Different movement. And um, what it inspired the young ladies to do, I mean, they're girls, they're like, you know, I, I guess like anywhere from eight to, to 12, was actually boycott <laughs> one of the um, cookies that they were selling because they only came in plastic. Mm. And I recall the Girl Scouts, you know, cookies when I was a kid coming in like a cardboard paper box. Mm -hmm. And yes, they had plastic around them, but one of the cookies was moved to a completely plastic box. And you know, at the same time as a as a young girl is promoting or, or advocating to skip out on single use plastic, it was top of mind for her to then at the same time being asked to sell something that was 100% plastic. So one of my favorite stories there was they they started their boycott. They said, no, we're not going to sell these. And, you know, it's that type of activism in a way. And it's they're just mm -hmm. like speaking out and saying, we're not going to sell these particular ones. And it's it's what I hope is the beginnings of any movement from a civil rights movement to a women's suffrage movement to what this is really an activism for our planet. It, it's inspiring to hear, you know, young people taking the matter into, you know, a separate matter into their own hands and being inspired by one thing they do, like drink different and applying it to, to other parts of their life. Mm, totally. And, it, you know, one of the themes I like to bring up over and over in this show is just the power of the individual action within the collective context, right? And I think that that's a great example, as well as your product, right? And so the fact that you're not just... It's not just the app, but there's this pledge, there's these different ways to engage, there's a, a kit to connect with other eco-friendly products that can help people feel like they're part of something bigger is so powerful. So 
Yeah, appreciate what you're doing tremendously. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much for having me. And that's our show. If you like what you're hearing, help spread the word. Subscribe to the Indisposable Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Add a review, talk us up, try our five friend challenge. Share some highlights from today's show with a handful of people in your life who could use an uplift. Nobody spreads a message like you. The Indisposable Podcast is brought to you by Upstream, sparking innovative solutions to plastic pollution, envisioning a world without it, and empowering businesses, communities, and individuals to imagine and co-create this future with us. You can find resources mentioned on today's episode as well as learn more about Upstream's work at www.upstreamsolutions.org. Follow us on social, support us on Patreon, and join the movement. There's a better way than throwaway.